This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. And listeners, we are talking about peacemaking this week. And so here is our question for today. If Jesus was a peacemaker, then why did he flip the tables over? Oh, that's loaded. Yeah. That's loaded. Okay. You kind of talked about this in our last podcast, Uh that there is this perception in the current mind of most people today that Jesus was so passive that, Mm. you know, he would never raise his voice. Yeah. Let alone to do something physical like this. Yeah. Jesus experienced a full range of emotions from laughter and joy to sadness and grief and weeping and anger. Sure. Because uh, across the emotional spectrum, emotions are good. They need to be under control and used for the glory of God, which Jesus did perfectly. So in the temple, we'll just give some high-level stuff here for a minute. You had the house of God being used for commerce, exploitation of the poor, manipulation, deception, unjust weights, if you will. And the religious system was compromised through this process. The Passover, which was sacred to God and to his people, the yearly annual festival, uh, was being corrupted and used for a profit. Uh, People came in to exploit others. You get the point. Like, what is supposed to be a celebration of salvation became an exploitation. It's like it's sort of like somebody coming into church. We celebrate communion, but we charged different people to get communion cups. And right. then we charged people who were wealthier more money and then took money from the poor. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking about here? The crazy thing crazy. is I've had this conversation with people before, and the modern person doesn't understand what was going on in the temple when Jesus overthrew these money tables. That the average person of the day would have been using coins that were Greek or Roman coins. And yet when they came to the temple, they would have to exchange their current or most common coin to the Hebrew shekel. Mm. So then there was an exchange fee to exchange up to the Hebrew shekel. Then they would mark up the price of the sacrificial animal. So that would get inflated. So extortion upon extortion was happening by these so-called religious people in the very place that was supposed to be holy, which was the temple. And you couldn't obey God's word if you didn't go through this process. You didn't go through the process right. and make a sacrifice. Right. So I think one of the things to understand is sometimes there are injustices that are worthy of anger. That's right. So I'll give you a small example. Many, 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 many years ago, myself and two other youth pastors were meeting. And this guy says, hey, can I meet with you guys? Mm. And he was a youth pastor from a prosperity church in the area. And one of the other buddies told me before he showed up, be good, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> so we're hanging out. And I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? We're catching up. And I said, can I just ask you a question? I mean, we're like two minutes into our time mm-hmm. together, you know. And I said, so, like, do you teach Do you teach your kids, your students, you know, like, if you're sick, it's because there's sin and God wants you to be rich and happy and healthy. And if it's not because there's a lack of faith or sin in your life. And he goes, absolutely. And uh, he's like, God wants, God wants all of us to be rich and healthy and have long prosperous lives. And he wants to promote us in our jobs. You know, and my buddy who knows me is sitting across the table and he's like, Oh God, no. Oh no. Oh no. And surely you went after this guy. Oh, because oh, just hearing oh, this, I just, is like, so, I, I could not bite my tongue hard enough. So I think I might have put my hand out like to stop, you know? Yeah. He was on our turf. So like we kind of had the power of okay. conversation. I said, okay, just pause. So, and then I ranted for, I don't know how long. <laughs> and I ended up with like this statement of, 
what do you say to the poor kid in Saharan Africa who's starving to death, who's been begging God, will you please save my mother? And his mother dies in his arms. And are you gonna look at that kid and say, he didn't have enough faith? Like mm-hmm. what you're doing is destroying a generation. I went off, whatever. Anyways, he never came back to our meetings. <laughs> and uh, he said, I don't, you know what, to be honest, I don't know, I'm not equipped to answer that question. And I said something like, you need to get equipped because yeah. like what you're teaching is devastating a generation of kids. Anyways, that being said, he never came back, but there is a silver lining. I asked my friend when this guy left, I said, was that too harsh? And he said, no, it deserved it. It was pretty yeah. bad, you know? And uh, he said, no, I, I probably, my buddy was so nice. He would yeah. never, he will rebuke, but he just wouldn't have, He's much slower to anger than I am in all circumstances. (laughs) So, like, anyways, fast forward. I think it was like seven or eight years. The dude shows up at Village Church. Oh, wow. And I looked at him, and the first thing I said his name, and then I said, are we cool? (laughs) You know, like, I'm like, do I let him in the church? You know, like, is he going to shoot me or something? And uh, anyways, he sat down with me, and he said, I just want to, like, tell you what's been happening in my life. He said, I have repented. And oh, I let go of this whole doctrine and yeah. I'm turning my life around. And uh, I said, I, you said our conversation that day was actually like really pivotal yeah. and helpful for Good. me. I want to just say thank you. And uh, we talked for a couple hours actually. And it was crazy because the Lord, I, I was not unrighteous anger. I didn't, I did not berate him. That was You the berated the mentality, yeah. which is a terrible train wreck. Yeah. Train wreck. It is a bad, yep. bad direction to go in theology. Right. And there are points where... When religion is being abused, yeah. I would actually give a couple categories where anger is righteous. One would be the religious abuse of power. If I'm talking mm-hmm. to another pastor mm-hmm. who is abusing the gospel, I will get angry and I will confront them. Yeah, I'll do it in a way that's appropriate and in the right place, but that'll make me mad. The other thing that I think is worthy of human anger is when image bearers are being destroyed. Yeah. Third category that I think really ticked Jesus off a lot would be when children were being exploited mm-hmm. and abused. Jesus says it'd be better to throw a millstone around your neck and throw you in the sea right. than it would be for you to basically harm, harm any of these little ones. ones. Yeah. The understanding that hell existed for the Jewish people in that time in the sea, basically to throw you sure. to hell where you would be tormented forever. What he's saying is it'd be better if you go to hell yeah. than to do this. When I think about religious leaders, people destroying image bearers and harming children mm-hmm. are three areas where I'm like, you know, I'm legit angry. Yeah. They tick me off. And when you take Planned Parenthood and you take the destruction of life— <sighs> And then you connect that with children's life. Mm-hmm. And then when you take a pastor who supports Planned Parenthood and is pro-choice, and you give me this trifecta, mm. probably I would say that would be a table Jesus would turn. Yeah. I don't know if that totally makes sense, but in my brain, like those are the three categories I think that are— Yeah, the abuse of power, the abuse of theology, the abuse of children. Yeah. You know, that's where I would come from yep. you know, as, as anger issues. And, and the amazing thing is— we don't see Jesus really getting that angry with non-believers. The ones he gets upset with were the religious leaders of his day. Yep. They weren't true believers, no. but they masqueraded They as masqueraded believers. that, and they were leading others astray yeah. from the truth of God and his word by their actions and by their teachings. Mm. I'm really excited about our next question because it's a little <laughs> like, ooh, what are you going to say? Uh-huh. Why did God send an evil spirit to Saul in 1 Samuel 16? Literally, God sends an evil spirit to torment him. It's pretty great. It is? Yeah. I mean, if you're on this side of the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next time.